the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live, Hour 2. Good to be with you today on this Friday. We're on every day from 3 to 5. And, uh... Uh, hey, you know what? I wanted to let you know that uh, I'm going to be on vacation next week, but we're excited that we have Pastor Dudley Rutherford sitting in for me next week. It's going to have some great guests and some great conversations, so the show will be live, and and uh, I'm excited to have him be here. I get, he's the pastor of Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch, and uh, he has a show on uh, KKLA also uh, every evening. You should check that out. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to having him uh, here while I'm gone, and I'm, I'm going to be uh, speaking at his church in a couple of months, so uh, lots of fun things we get to do together. And uh, so uh, stay tuned to that. I think you're going to be excited about that. It is Open Line Friday uh, today. The number is 888-528-2557. You can call about anything you want today, 888-528-2557. Maybe you want to uh, respond to the interview we just had the last hour. I'm still um, trying to uh, just process uh, so many things. We had Officer Dion and his wife on and so much uh, uh, wonderful things that they they had to say that I think challenges a lot of us. You can get the podcast. I want to encourage you, by the way, that uh, if you ever miss an hour of our show, we do have a podcast. You can go to the station website and look under the program guide for Southern California Live. The podcast is there. You can also find us on Spotify and uh, we'll soon be just about everywhere you can get your podcast on. That way, if you ever miss an hour, you can uh, check us out. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. Um, you know, one of the subjects that um, we talked about in the last hour is that we live in a world where there are narratives put forward that are carried by the media, and it's something that, you know, and it's carried by the educational system, and it's deeply entrenched. And some of the reason that we are so divided is – because we have not learned to sort of pull ourselves away from whatever our side is and listen and listen to the other side or consider that there are other things going on. Um, I want to play a, a few clips uh, this hour, and I realize it's open line, so we'll uh, maybe take a detour uh, now and then if you call about something else. But uh, if you've been following the news, one of the events going on is the um, World Economic Forum. And, you know, it's uh, – I don't know who nominated those people to be in charge of the world, um, and they're not, but they kind of they kind of nominate themselves. And if World Economic Forum is a group of basically elites, people from all kinds of uh, parts of the world who get together uh, regularly and put out statements about what they think the world ought to be doing. And a lot of this year's commentary has been about climate change. And this was Al Gore. Uh, remember Al Gore? He uh, was the vice president under uh, Bill Clinton, Democratic nominee in uh, 2000. Did a film called An Inconvenient Truth in uh, 2005. 
much of what was in that uh, film didn't pan out, and uh, but he's still out there doing doing his stuff. Uh, and here's what he had was something he had to say. He was just kind of shouting uh, about a bunch of things. But I want to point out one thing that he said. We have to act. So in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had, and we need have had, and we need to make some changes. We've heard about divides at this conference between the North and South and the East and West. There's another divide, increasingly, between those who are old enough to be in positions of power and the young people of this world. Greta Thunberg was just arrested in Germany. I agree with her uh, efforts to stop that uh, coal mine in Germany. Young people around the world are looking at what we're doing. Al Gore, uh, in a whole bunch of things he said, this is what I wanted you to, to hear, though, is he talks about the divides. Most people speaking at this conference have the same opinion uh, about climate change and the kinds of things we need to do. Senator, Former Senator John Kerry uh, went on and on about how much more money we need and how much uh, how things are dire. A lot of conversation about the weather we're having in Southern California and climate change related. I'm not saying it is or it isn't, but I, I feel like every time there's a change in weather, it's climate change. Because two months ago, it was climate change. That's why we're having a drought. Now, all of a sudden, we got a bunch of uh, water that we didn't expect, and there's atmospheric rivers, and that's climate change. I feel like that, you know, I need something better because sometimes it rains and sometimes we have a drought and we've been noticing that for a long time. Is it worse than it was before? Is it, yeah, I think some records are being broken. We should pay attention and we can get into, you know, there's different back and forth, but he also talked about young people. He brought up uh, um, Greta Thunberg who got arrested in Germany. That arrest was a fake. Did you know that? That videos came out where there were people, there was a protest there, and some people did get arrested. But after it was over, she showed up and staged the whole arrest. There's a whole video of it. You can find it. I've got it on my Twitter account if you go there, and uh, Scott Furrow at Twitter. And uh, you can watch the video, and she's taking pictures with the police, and they're making, there's a boom mic like right above them, so you can get the sound, and there's a whole camera crew. The entire event of her arrest is staged. Uh, And I think we should understand that some of the things that people are doing out there are completely made up. And but I think maybe one of the deeper things we need to understand is that for people who are on the the far left, and I'm not talking about liberals or Democrats or, you know, there's there is a different group of people on the far left Dennis Prager likes to say that the truth is not a value for those people, that it doesn't matter. And that's it. That for a certain group of people, and there's probably some on the far, far right where you could say a similar thing, but there, when we just don't care about truth, when we just want to have our agenda, that's what leads us to not ask questions. So in the, in the last hour, for example, when we talked about the, the difference of opinion and the things that people are being taught about police – uh, and uh, the anger and the idea that everybody's racist in the system and defund the police and all of that. And we talked about that, obviously, with a police officer, um, but an African-American police officer who had a lot to say and a lot of experience about that. One of the things that we concluded was how do we get through a lot of this is that you've got to know what the other side actually thinks. And if you find yourself in a place where you don't want to know, or you don't want to ask questions, or you just want to accept whatever it is the people on your side are saying without questioning it, then you've got a problem that if you are afraid of learning what the other side thinks, you don't have to always agree with it, but if you are afraid to go there, I think that there is a a problem with that in just about anything that we do. 
you know, I think as a Christian, I'll tell you what, I don't care if you want to attack Christianity. If you've got questions about, you can ask all the hard questions you want. I don't have the answers to all of them, but I'm not offended by your questions. And it's because in my heart of heart, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave. I believe that that event happened. I believe that that event proves that he was who he said he was, and then I can go back. And through that lens, when I look at the scriptures, this is very true to me. And I I don't, if it is true, then I shouldn't be afraid of any questions that you have to ask. And I think that is the same that, and that also makes me calmer. I don't have to get defensive about it. I, you know, and if I'm stumped, well, then I'm stumped. I can go study later. I can go learn something a little bit later. Um, When it comes to issues like, um, climate change. One of the issues, and Al Gore mentioned the divide between East and West and North and South, and old and young. And if you are a younger person, I think, excuse me, I think you've got to, you've got to grasp this. Why is it that so many countries, and this is one of the, the gripes at this World Economic Forum from Al Gore and uh, other people on the climate change issue, why is it that so much of the world is not on board? And why is it that there are so many people who, uh, even though they pass laws or they make statements about we're going to cut carbon or do this and that, why is it that uh, those rates seem to be still going up? And there's probably a lot of answers to that, but there is a a viral video going around. I'm going to play some clips uh, of that. And it's by a guy named Konstantin Kissin is his name. And uh, he is a, a Russian man who is now a British citizen, and he was speaking to a crowd at Oxford University recently, and uh, here's some of what he had to say. Now, I want to talk to those of you who are woke and who are open to rational argument. Okay, so he makes a few comments like that, but the reason he says those of you who are woke, and he's speaking to a university, but are open to rational argument, it's because part of the idea is that some people are just not open to having an argument. They're not open to hearing the other side, And, and in some cases, that's the point. Because the point isn't really the success of whatever the issue is. The point is to tear down institutions and to create a new reality. That's part of the, the you know, woke is such a sort of a broad term now. But if you call it applied postmodernism to really think about it, you remember when postmodernism was a term, you might have heard that at church or stuff. And the idea was there's more than one truth. And it was very sort of theoretical. But what ultimately sort of the wokeism is, is that you can apply that there's more than one truth. And that means that my truth needs to outweigh your truth. And even if my truth is wrong, according to what most people think, if I keep pushing that my truth is right, it can win the day. And so if my truth personally is that you, that men cannot have babies because they do not have a womb, they do not have the ability to do that as males, but you think that men can have babies and you want to keep pushing that or that transgender women are women the same as everybody else. And where one side says that's crazy, the other side says, no, it isn't. And you're going to have an argument. The belief is, is that if you, keep, if you win that argument, then you will have actually changed what is true. Now, I don't think that works because I think reality is persistent. I think that there are males and females. I don't think you can get around that. Um, and I know that you can't get around that. But the argument to push for that, when, you, when, we, when we come back and we say that's crazy or that's insane, or maybe the right word is that's queer, you probably hear that. The idea of, of what's called queer theory is that, yeah, it's queer. It's completely upside down. It completely doesn't make sense, and that's the point. 
until we make it a point. And so he's going to address that when it comes to climate change. And he makes some points that I think are important for us as uh, believers to understand whatever you think about climate change, whatever you think we ought to be doing, there's something here for all of us to learn. Small minority, I accept. (laughs) Because one of the tenets of wokeness is, of course, that your feelings matter more than the truth. But I believe in you. I believe there are those of you here who are woke, who are open to rational arguments. So let me make one. We are told that your generation cares more than any other about one issue in particular, and that issue is climate change. We're told that many of you suffer from climate anxiety. You wish to save the planet. And for tonight, and tonight only, I will join you. I will join you in worshipping at the feet of St. Greta of climate change. Let us all accept right here, right now, that we are... Now he makes some jokes kind of about this, and, uh, you know, he's kind of a you know, funny guy. But here's the, some points that he starts to make that are very serious. What can we in Britain do? We can only do one thing. You know why? This country is responsible for 2% of global carbon emissions, which means that if Britain was to sink into the sea right now, it would make absolutely no difference to the issue of climate change. You know Why? Because the future of the climate is going to be decided in Asia and in Latin America. And now he's going to start talking about the way different parts of the world view the arguments that that Western countries, Britain, the United States, some other European countries are making about climate change, the way that the rest of the world is viewing it because of the condition that uh, they are in. It's going to be decided by poor people in Asia and Latin America who don't care about saving the planet. You know why? Because they're poor. Because they're poor. I come from Russia, which is not a poor country. It's a middle-income country. 20% of households in Russia do not have an indoor toilet. What they have is an outdoor toilet. And I don't mean one of those nice port that we get here. I don't even mean a Glastonbury port <laughs> I mean a wooden shack with a hole in the ground the holds a collected fermented memory of the last 10,000 visits. <laughs> How many of you are going to go home tonight and say, let's rip out our bathroom? See, now that's very relevant this week because we asked the question earlier this week. How many of you are going to go out and rip out your gas stove? Right? How many restaurants are just going to stop cooking the way they all cook because they almost all have gas stoves? How many of us? I think I had one person. We did a call in earlier this week on uh, who, what's better, gas or electric stoves. Remember, because a... a uh, Biden administration officials suggested that banning gas stoves was in in uh, was a possibility, and everybody, including President Biden himself, said, "No, no, no, we're not going to do that." They pulled back in a couple of days because of the outrage about that. But this is the point that he's making here, and particularly in impoverished countries, in uh, Asia in particular, where there are hundreds of millions of people, India and China. Um, and then Central America, where there are a tremendous amount of, of poor people and governments that, uh, with maybe an exception of Costa Rica and a couple other places in South America, are not really developing quickly. Are they going to refuse to develop in order to lower carbon emissions uh, in the meantime while the West comes over and mines their cobalt and other precious metals so that we can have solar panels on our house, which is a whole other uh, discussion. Listen to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Uh, the number is 888-528-2557 if you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. It is Open Line Friday. I'll let you change the subject. I want to finish what we're on here, uh, and then I'll get to uh, some of that here. But if you want to join this conversation, go ahead and call. Um, and we are 
um, hearing from a man named Constantine who gave the speech at Oxford this week, and he makes a really good point about what people, particularly younger people, need to think about climate change and the arguments that are being made. Because what we're hearing so often in the news today from the World Economic Forum and all the speakers there and Al Gore and people like that is that, you know, we're all going to die pretty soon because of climate change and we have to do all this stuff. We need more money. And But there is a reality that all of those people who are the elite uh, are are missing. And that's if we're going to do something. And this is just taking the assumption, okay, here that everything being said about climate change and carbon emissions is true and that, uh, you know, something needs to be done. But what's not being discussed is that the solutions being presented are on the backs of the poorest people on the planet. And essentially what people are being asked, and this is where I think as believers, we've got to understand this, they're being asked to remain poor while industrialized countries come in there and mine their precious metals so that we can have uh, some different things going on. And they're not going to do that. And that ultimately is his point. Here he continues. And if you're not, why should they? A hundred. Meaning if you're not willing to give up your gas stove or if you're not willing to rip out your bathroom and just have an outhouse in the back of the house, which is what basically they're being asked to maintain, why should they do it? Why, if we're not going to do it, why should the poorest people on the planet, who are the bulk of the population, by the way, And if you're not, why should they? 120 million people in China do not have enough food. I don't mean that they don't get dessert. I mean they suffer from malnutrition. That means that their immune system is breaking down because they don't have enough food. You're not going to get them to stay poor. That's a group of people that does not want to stay poor. And to save the planet, they're they're not going to buy the argument. And yet... This is the place where there's so much pollution and carbon in the air and all of that kind of stuff. And you've probably noticed that these countries aren't being asked, you know, officially in some of these agreements to do a whole lot. But it raises a whole lot of question uh, about what we're really doing. He continues. Imagine you're Xi Jinping, the leader of China. When you were 10 years old, there was a revolution, a cultural revolution in your country. And people came and they put your father in prison. Your mother had to denounce him. Your sister killed herself, and you, no longer enjoying the protection of your formerly powerful father, were sent to a village where you lived in a cave house. And here you are, decades later, you have clawed your way up the bloody and greasy pole of Chinese politics to be the undisputed supreme leader of the very Communist Party that destroyed your family. And you know that the main thing you have to do to survive and to stay in power is to deliver the one thing that the people of China want, prosperity, economic growth. Where do you think climate change ranks on Xi Jinping's list of priorities? It ranks pretty low. That's where it ranks. And we have to realize that that is a reality. And that's one of the things when we talk about some of the the particularly far left or woke conversation that is going on in our culture that our universities in the United States in particular are embracing is that this story is not being told, that the West is bad and the West needs to destroy its you know, institutions, and we're causing all the problem. When actually, from a mathematical standpoint, we're not. And you're going to ask these people to not develop, basically, to remain poor, to make saving the planet their 
you know, their obligation, their duty by remaining poor. See, that's not going to happen. Are, have you ever been told that before? Have you ever even heard the story of Xi Jinping or this uh, uh, President Xi, this story? No, you haven't. Uh, I didn't hear it. You, maybe you've heard it, but I, I haven't heard it. See, and the, one of the points that I'm making here is we've got to hear what other people think. We've got to understand this. When we come back, I'm going to take a couple of your calls, and then we're going to uh, continue with uh, the rest of his comments here, because I think it's important. On these lines, by the way, I want to invite you to something. We have an event coming up with Dennis Prager and Eric Metaxas. It's called Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile. It's going to be on February 20th at 7 p.m. There's a VIP reception at 5 p.m. at Pasadena First Church of the Nazarene. I'm going to be moderating a discussion between Dennis Prager and Eric Metaxas. It's called Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile. And a big part of it is how many of us as believers or how many people who are Jewish or how many people who are just kind of in between or you're not believers actually know, like as a Christian person, if you go to church, do you really know what Jewish people think of the Bible? Do you really know or have you just been told something? Do you really know that's accurate? Like, would you really like to know? I think you would. I think it it matters a lot. It will affect the way you approach the New Testament. Dennis Prager, who's Jewish, gives excellent examples about that. He's not a Christian, as much, and we pray for him. We love him, but he's going to come at it from an observing observant Jew, and I think you're going to learn a lot. And Eric Metaxas is going to come at this as a Christian person, as somebody who represents the church, and this is the way we look at Scripture together. It's going to be a great conversation as uh, and a great dialogue uh, between a Jewish person and a Christian person. It's a wonderful thing. To go, you need to go to kkla.com, kkla.com now. Click the Ask a Jew, Ask a Gentile banner that is on the uh, right there on the front page. Click that. It'll take you to the page where you can get tickets. And uh, we want you to get tickets right away. Invite your friends, invite your neighbors, invite the people in your life. I think it's a wonderful thing. I'm looking forward to it. It's February 20th, uh, 7 p.m. If you want to get to meet Dennis and Eric and uh, and me, VIP reception, 5 p.m. You can get tickets for that, too. Uh, so check it out, kkla.com. It's going to be at Pasadena First Church of the Nazarene. All right, I'll be right back. This is Southern California Live, Friday's edition. I'll be back uh, in just a moment. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Text Scott right now in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Good to be with you again. Glad that you're here. It's Open Line Friday. And um, when we do that, I promise that I will change the subject. So we're in the middle of a conversation about things to really know about some of the climate change conversation that's going on. Uh, and I've been playing you clips from uh, Constantine uh, Kissin and his address to young people at Oxford University. I'll come back to that in a minute, but I wanted to do as I promised and go to uh, the phones here. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Oscar and San Gabriel, welcome to Southern California Live. Oh, hi, Scott. First, uh, I want to wish you, uh, enjoy your vacations. You really deserve them. I love your show. Thank you, Oscar. And uh, another thing I wanted to say, really not much has to do with this uh, climate change thing, which I don't believe much. And if it's so much we talk about, we will have been prepared with the, to save the water. See, we're crying to our creator for water. And he gave us this new year, uh, blessed <laughs> us with water. And right. We don't even know where to put it. So. <laughs> What's the complaint, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, my, main, uh, my main subject is not much about that. I just wanted to say, uh, I just thank the Creator for uh, what he did of uh, when he says that mine is the vengeance, I'll give the pay. And we can see that with President Trump. After all they did to him, these feds, FBI, uh, 
or go into his uh, into where he lives over there, Mar-a-Lago, whatever the name is, something like that. Yeah. But I mean, now Biden is paying the price, and <laughs> not just that, he's done, and that will pay great price because all this that they did to him, and now we can see the bank how our creator is doing vengeance to uh, President Donald Trump. That's pretty much what I want. That's what's to on say. your mind, okay, Oscar? Uh, thanks for calling Southern California Live. You know, we've we've talked about the uh, the documents issue uh, both last summer when the. Mar-a-Lago was raided and those documents there. And uh, last couple of weeks, we've talked about the Biden documents. We don't know where that's going to turn out. But I do think there there is a point here. And I, I personally believe every leader we've got, every president we ever have, God gives the, gives us those leaders for a reason. And it's not usually the reason we think it is. Uh, he's always guiding history, of course, to uh, the culmination of Jesus's return. I fully believe that Personally, I believe that one of the reasons the United States exists is right now to protect Israel, because Israel is a state. Without us, it wouldn't be a state. Without Harry Truman becoming president and having a Jewish friend named Eddie Jacobson as a kid and growing up always knowing that guy and that guy actually having influence over him, it wouldn't be a state now. I mean, it's amazing what God does. And, you know, people will ask, you know, in history about presidents and look at it. Why does, why does God give us a Donald Trump? Why does he give us a Joe Biden or whomever? And sometimes I think uh, those reasons are for us to take a look and examine, right? We talked about the, the hypocrisy that that uh, you see when one side is accused of something and then it turns out the other side is doing the same thing. Um, we have to be really careful with the things that we say to people because we all fall short uh, of the glory of God with those things. And this is in some way the point that I'm making here on some of the climate change discussion is that we have one group of people from the World Economic Forum asking for tons and tons of more money and and basically blaming every possible thing on climate change. And whether they're right or wrong, I don't know, ultimately. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist with that. Um, but what I do know is that there is an element. And uh, in the last segment, we heard Al Gore talk about division between East and West and North and South and young and old. And some of that division is this. And a man named uh, Constantine Kism is giving this address uh, to young people at Oxford And he's coming from the perspective of this speech. I don't know what he actually thinks. He said at the beginning that I'm going to take the the far left position on climate change and agree with people on that side. I don't know if that means he agrees or if that means he doesn't. But the point he's making is that the reason, the reason that people are so frustrated at this World Economic Forum, the reason that um, there is this division is that we are ignoring the actual plight of poor people who are not going to just stay poor and who are not going to uh, just continue in not developing just because some Westerners who want to come and mine the mountains of their region for some cobalt uh, tell them that you can't have bathrooms or you can't have gas stoves or you can't develop in this way. That's not going to happen. And that's the point that he's making. I want to continue this and then uh, we'll move on. Uh, Here he continues uh, discussing this. Now, if you said to me, He's going to talk about it from the context of a parent now. And if you are a parent and you are concerned about the future of carbon in the atmosphere and bringing in kids, this is what he says. Now, if you said to me that I had a choice, either my son had a serious risk of starving or dying from a preventable disease in the next year, or I could press a button and he would live, he would go to school. He would bring his first girlfriend home. He'd go to university and graduate and become a woke idiot. 
and then he'd get a job and get married and have children and become a man. But all I have to do is press this button. And for every day of my son's life, a giant plume of CO2 is going to re get released into the atmosphere. Now, you're all very young, and most of you are not parents. Let me tell you something. There is not a parent in the world who would not smash that button so hard their hand bled. See, and I think that's exactly right. And that's something that in this discussion people need to hear, that what we're doing is we're asking people to, in some cases, not have kids, a whole nother discussion. There are, that's a whole thing on kind of, uh, some of you, maybe you're there, you know, about we're not going to have kids and we're just not going to do this. You know, if our population doesn't grow, all of the programs that we have aren't going to work. Whole different conversation there. Um, this is not a direction that's going to work, though, because as he's saying it, the people who are going to decide whatever really happens with, with climate change discussions live in Asia and in India and China and Central America. And right now they are poor. They're not concerned about climate change. The leadership's not concerned about it because they're concerned about putting food on the table. They're concerned about basics of life. And here's what he says is a solution as he gets to it. You are not going to get these people to stay poor. You're not even going to get them to not want to be richer. And so I put it to you, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one thing we can do in this country to stop climate change, and that is to make scientific and technological breakthroughs that will create the clean energy that is not only clean, but also cheap. And the only thing that wokeness has to offer in exchange is to brainwash bright young minds like you to believe that you are victims, to believe that you have no agency, to believe that what you must do to improve the world is to complain, is to protest, is to throw soup on paintings. And we on this side of the house are not on this side of the house because we do not wish to improve the world. We sit on this side of the house because we know that the way to improve the world is to work, is to create, it is to build. And the problem with woke culture is that it's trained too many young minds like yours to forget about that. And I think that's one of the points that we need to keep in mind, is that we have a culture today that wants to teach that the only way to move forward is to tear down. We're going to defund the police. We're going to tear down the institutions of any society, not just the United States, but somewhere else. But what are you going to put in its place? Nothing's being really offered there that makes any sense. What has always worked throughout all of human history in every culture is humans come together and they innovate. That whatever the problems may or may not be, and I'm not really having that discussion today, but with the climate, the climate's always changing. You know, you can, it's just one way or the other is changing. We can argue about how much uh, human beings are causing it, but it's whatever the case is, we can actually do stuff. And I think for, for Christians, one of the arguments, and if you're really worried about the climate and you're on that page of the climate change, you know, fine, but listen to this. You can't, you cannot you cannot do changes on the back of the poor of the world who are ultimately going to make the decision. We can't tell people don't develop, don't have bathrooms, don't have enough food, don't farm, don't develop electricity. You ever go on a mission trip to a impoverished company or a country? Sometimes you say to yourself, you know, it's too bad they don't have a Costco. Well, they don't have some of that because they don't have electricity, which means they don't have refrigeration, which means the food won't last very long. And it's very hard to help people eat and see you can't 
tell them to not do that. You can't tell them to not develop. There are better ways. If you pray about this, you know, what I pray about is the, you know, maybe Jesus is coming soon and it won't matter. But if he's not, then I pray that we develop clean energy that's cheap that can be done around the world. I think we ought to spend, you know, the, the fusion experiment that happened a couple of weeks ago has gives us all kinds of hope. It's clean, it's cheap, it's easy to do, it's safe, all of those things. Why don't we do a Manhattan Project and develop that and give it to the world? I mean, there, are there I think, are, are such very, very important things uh, that we can do there. All right, Southern California Live, I'm Scott Furrow, your host. Uh, it's Open Line Friday, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Let me go to the phones here real quick before our break. Jackie from Compton, welcome to Southern California Live. Uh, hi, Pastor Farrell. I just called. I found it in my mind, my heart, to call in. Um, I wish I know you're a pastor. Yeah. So I was just wondering, like, um, what do you do when your day everything just seems like it's everything's just going wrong? It's just everything around you is just going wrong. I mean, what Bible verses can you give me that I can read, that I can meditate on, that I can, you know, just keep myself straight because today has been one of those days since actually since yesterday, since last night, everything's just, I'm I'm talking to the Lord saying, Lord, why is everything just um, going bad? Like it's just, that's what I'm seeing. And I want to stay positive. I don't want to blame anybody. I, I, you, you understand what I'm saying? So I was just wondering if you could like pray, maybe I, I've been praying. Maybe you could pray with me. And I and I'm not just thinking of myself. The reason I actually really called because I said to myself I wasn't going to call, but then I said maybe there's people out there that feel the same way sometimes that are going through exactly what I'm going through. Yeah, I so think I'm just we all do. What kind of advice? Yeah. What, yeah. Can, what do you do? What all do right. you do? Pastor hey, Sarah? I'll tell you what I do. Can you hold on through the break? Can you do that? I got to take yes. a break and then I'll come back. I sure can. All right, Thank when we come you. back. I'll tell you what I do when I'm uh, having a bad day, and I've had a lot of them, Jackie. I have. This is Southern California okay. Live. Thank you. Number is eight 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 five two eight two five five seven. I'll be back as the Friday edition continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live, 888-528-2557 is the number. And uh, before the break, we were talking with uh, Jackie from Compton. Uh, Jackie, are you still with us? Yes, Sam. All right. Jackie asked me what I do when I've had a uh, really no good, awful, bad day. And uh, she's had a pretty bad day. You know, Jackie, when you're you're telling me this, and I'm sorry that you're having a bad day, and we've been there. Once things were so just sort of falling apart for me, it seemed, really they weren't. Like in long term, right? You look back and you go, well, um, or you recover when they do fall apart. But I, I yeah. used to have these green workout shorts that my wife hated. She just thought they were the ugliest things. And I suppose she was right. I don't really know if I have an opinion about it. But I came home and I was so discouraged and the day had just been awful. And I said, I'm gonna okay. put on I said, I'm gonna put on my green shorts that you hate and I'm gonna put on an old T shirt and I'm gonna get an old baseball cap and I'm gonna grab a cigar and go down to the beach and I'm gonna smoke it. 
<laughs> and that's how I that's how I felt. Uh, I don't even know where that came from. Uh, I don't know where um, you know that, but that is uh, how I, I I felt, and I was so discouraged. And I thought I'm just going to be one of these people sitting on the beach with, and that's it. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I look back at that now and laugh, but at the time, uh, it seemed very very serious. Uh, right. And more recently, you ever watch The Office? Do you watch that show? No, I don't. On that no. show is a character. His name is Stanley. And okay. St- Stanley might be my favorite character on that show. And he's a African-American man. He just has this sort of deadpan delivery. And he's just trying to sell paper in this paper company. He knows the boss is an idiot. He's just trying to do his job, right? Uh-huh. And, and one time he said, yes, I have a dream. And he was discouraged, right? He says, I want to own a de- decommissioned lighthouse and I want to live at the top and nobody knows I live there. And there's a button I can press and launch that lighthouse into space. <laughs> it's hilarious. And it's funny because a few years ago, I felt like that. And I, I texted a bunch of friends that statement without saying it was Stanley, because Hello? that's what I felt like. I wanted to get launched into space. You know, I think one of the things that I've learned, Jackie, is that when, yeah. we, when we go through our bad days, and I don't know if you're having just a bad day or a bad you know, series of days or, you know, just a, something you're going through. Yeah. Something that I remind myself. And I think it, it takes some years to, to really understand this, that God works on us on our bad days, that God changes us. He shows us things. And one of the things he shows us is that he's never leaving us. That's the whole thing. I, I a hundred percent believe that. I just prayed a couple of days ago. I, I knew I needed to work on something. And I said, Lord, um, I just give it to you. And I'm, that's what I'm thinking today. I'm just overwhelmed. But every time I feel overwhelmed, I mean, I have all my seven grandkids with me, well, six of them. And I've been watching them, and, and I was late picking them up because my daughter called me late. I didn't know I had to do this. And, and my car broke down. And it's just all these small things, okay? Yeah. Yep. And usually, usually I would like, like panic and, and I would be mad and I'm just like, okay, Lord, I pray this prayer for you to make me stronger, to to strengthen me. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. Cause I'm thinking the same thing, you know, and I even take it farther. I, I, in the Bible, it says, you know, when you're going through things, be thankful. So I think about people, I'm like, this is so minor. What am I complaining about? There's people sick in the hospital. Yeah. You know, I well, think about that too. And, and I just feel like God's just, you know, working through me. Yes. And, yeah. Let me give you a verse here, yeah, uh, Jackie. Yes. Let, let me give you I'm a verse here. And I'm then not I'll, letting you talk. That's okay. And then I'll pray for you, okay? And I get to some other calls. But I know that there's lots of people who are having a crummy day and they want to be launched off into a lighthouse, uh, you know, in their lighthouse into space. I get it. Jesus says this amazing thing in Matthew eleven twenty eight. He says, Come to me, all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that's what helps me because what I have to lean on is that actually the reason I am here is to walk with Jesus, to do what he wants me to do, and it helps me refocus. 
Because, you know, right now, Jackie, I would say that the most important thing Jesus wants you to do is love those six grandkids who uh, we heard in the background a minute ago, I think. And, you know, what other things might be going on, You right now, at this moment, you've got them. And what a joy it is that you've got them. And learn from Jesus and realize that he's the one who gives you rest. His yoke is easy. The things that burden us, the things that we just, you know, the things that have discouraged me, you know, they're usually, you know, business things don't go right or things didn't go right at the church or there's just frustrations with things you thought would be successful that weren't or things fell through or, or uh, you know, I got my, my gas bill and it's three times as much and I can't afford it. Many of us are going through that. Um when we find rest in Jesus, we remember that his purpose for us is to love each other, that he's not going to ask us about a bunch of circumstances in our life and how they worked out. He's going to look at the big picture, and he wants to know that you're concerned about what he's concerned about. And you know, being concerned for, for others, it's hard because it's the most meaningful thing, but it's also the most wonderful thing. And uh, I think that's another way to look at it is is narrow down the things that are most important to Jesus for you today. And you can do the same thing again tomorrow. Might be a different answer. But today, love your grandkids. I am uh, doing yeah. that. Thank you so yeah. much. Pray I for appreciate them. you taking my call. You're yes, welcome. Thank you so much. All right, God, thank okay. you for Jackie. I pray that you give her a great day, that you improve her day uh, with her grandkids. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Jackie, thanks for calling Southern California Live. Ted in Los Angeles, welcome to SoCal Live. Yes, sir, Scott, uh, Ted, City of the Angels. I, you know, this is Martin Luther King week for me. Yeah. I grew, I grew up watching it every year. I watched every documentary. And uh, the most spiritual, um, Holy Spirited, uh, I dream is, you know, I have a dream speech that has ever been heard in this world. And uh, his approach, uh, nonviolent approach, and uh, stuff that wasn't well received on both sides, as you said earlier. Um, we a talked week about ago. Uh, on Monday. We did an hour on uh, him, and uh, you know, if you got to listen to the whole speech because there's the inspiring yep. parts that we, you know, reflect on most of the time and that get etched in stone. But he also lays out the problems very clearly, um, and that ruffles some feathers. But we need to hear that. Amen. And, and uh, you know, just, basically, you know, the guy had more heart than any, any gang member. OK, I mean, he knew he was going to die and he didn't care. He 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 did exactly what Jesus asked of him. Then he didn't cower down, you know, and uh, he he went the whole length, you know, and uh, told his wife he was going to die. And who would not ask for a more deeply spiritual man like that? We've never heard a speech like that. I don't care who, who it is. You know, um, the only other person that had an impact like that on me um, was John F. Kennedy. Hmm. And uh, we know what happened to him. Yeah. Hey, and uh, so, you know, I, I just uh, uh, it's a great um, week. And, and I would say to the to the new, you know, young people is, you know, all this violence, which he condoned. Um, not, I mean, did, what he did, not, did yeah. not want, yeah, he did not condone it, but he, uh, was opposed to, um, uh, how's it working for you? Yeah, it doesn't work. Hey, Ted, can you, uh, would you like me to send you a book? We give away a book once in a while. And, uh, if you hold on, my producer will, uh, take your name and address and I'll send you a book. 
Amen. All right. Thanks for calling Southern California Live, Ted, uh, very much. Um, you know, we have just a, a, a minute and a half left, and so I won't get to the rest of your calls. I thank you for calling on those things. Uh, a couple of things I want to mention, but one of them, I, I, we didn't get to some of this today, but today is the 50th uh, anniversary of Roe versus Way. The Walk of Life, or March for Life was today. Uh, what an incredible thing different thing. A different celebration happened in Washington today. So you might want to go to the website for that and check it out. Lots of good speakers on that and uh, still lots of work to do. Um, But we do well when we consider life uh, and we consider that struggle. And I want you to have hope. I want you to realize that, you know, we talked about some hard things on the show today, but there is always hope in Jesus Christ. You know, there's ultimate hope in his return and that he'll make everything right. But in the meantime, there's also hope. There's hope of revival. There's hope of things getting better. There's all kinds of great things to hope for. And when we really seek the truth, when we really seek out and we listen to each other and we focus on the things that Jesus is concerned about, we have a very hopeful, hopeful day. Hey, uh, thank you for listening. Like I said, I won't get to your calls, and I'm going to be gone next week. Pastor Dudley Rutherford will be, he's the pastor of Shepherd Hills Church in Porter Ranch. He's going to sit in for me, so we'll still have live shows. He's going to do a great job, and uh, not just because he's a lot taller than me, but because he's a great pastor and a good friend, and so I encourage you to listen every day from 3 to 5 and uh, listen to him. I'll be on vacation with my family. We've not gone anywhere together it was really a vacation uh, for a long time, so we're going to take a little break. Uh, but it's a, I look forward to being back with you uh, the Monday uh, following next weekend. Please go to kkla.com if you're living in the Los Angeles area. Lots of events going on in L.A. Or if you're in San Diego and you want to come to L.A., other stuff on kprz.com if you're listening in San Diego. Check it out. God bless you. Have a wonderful weekend and a great week, and I will see you soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.